0: Values are important. They reflect what we care about, what we're made of, and who we are. But what can happen when a church fully owns a set of shared values at their core? What can that mean for their sense of community and their purpose in the world? We invite you to take a deep dive with us into our core values of stewardship, ownership, simplicity, and hospitality. These are our four cores. Well, good morning, Element. It is my joy and honor to be with you guys this morning and to be here to share the next message in our four cores series. This series is something we've been praying over for a long time. Um, every few years, it's really important to kind of come back and look at the foundations that this church was built on that God kind of birthed in our hearts from the very beginning of the foundation of element and to talk about what those things mean to us today because I think they mean even more to us today than they did when God first put them on our hearts. So that's what we're going to do today, and I don't think there could be a better week to talk about stewardship. So what, a, what, what important timing, I think, for today. So last week, Pastor Benjamin talked about simplicity, and we learned a little bit more about what simplicity really means, uh, especially here at Element. And we learned that simplicity is about love, right? About keeping the main thing the main thing. And about how simple doesn't always mean easy, and simple doesn't always mean small, but simple always means love as the most important thing. Loving God and loving each other. So today, we're going to look at our next core value, which is stewardship. All right, now, you know, we have, with these core values, we have our phrases, our taglines that go along with them. Um, so we can use them to explain what we mean by these words. So if you know the tagline for stewardship, go ahead and say it with me from your home, all right? But the tagline for stewardship is, we leave this world, this city, and each other better than we found them. Simple definition of stewardship. We leave the world, the city, and each other better than we found them. You know, when our founding pastor, Bobby, first invited Chris, my husband and I, to plant Element, he shared with us the vision of these core values. And this one, this value of stewardship, resonated with us maybe even more than any of the others, although they're all equally important and beautiful. But this one struck a chord with us because it's something that our families have valued so much, and something that I valued growing up. So if you know me, you guys know that my family ran a youth camp for 40 years in the summer uh, in Michigan. And so every summer we would have hundreds of kids come in to the camp, and we would go put them through a whole summer program. And I deeply remember this value of stewardship being taught at Circle A, too. And one of the ways we taught it was that we would go on beach trips. Um, Yes, we do have beaches in Michigan. Lake Michigan has an awesome beach. You should go sometime if you haven't been. Um, although it's very cold, always very, very cold. Um, but we have beaches there. So we would take the campers to the beach, and we'd spend the whole day at the beach having fun, swimming, playing, roasting beach dogs, as we called them, hot dogs. Uh, but at the end of the day, before we would load up the buses and head for home, we would line up the whole entire camp across the beach. And we, would, we could basically stretch like about half half the beach from the middle of the beach down to the shore. And we would spread out in a line, okay, And we would, some of our counselors would grab these big, huge trash bags, and we would sweep the whole entire beach. We would like round the whole beach and come back so that we literally, someone from Circle A had stepped foot on every part of this beach. It was a small private beach, but anyway. Um, Not private, but anyway. (laughs) It It was plenty of area to cover. And we would sweep it and we would pick up any trash or things that shouldn't be on the beach and we put them in the trash bags. And it was always like almost the best part of beach day for these kids and for all of us because we were literally leaving this place better than we found it. And when you looked across the beach, you couldn't necessarily see that there was like a ton of trash covering it. I mean, it looked just like a beach. But when we were done sweeping the beach, there, we had like five or six huge trash bags full. Of trash right and so it was such a beautiful moment of stewardship to see we've come here we've partaken of this beauty all day long but before we leave we're gonna do something that leaves this place and these people better than we found it and I always remember the beach rangers or whoever the um, park people were so grateful to us for doing this work and picking up so much of this trash and we would do it multiple times every summer leaving things better than we found it, right? So today we're going to look at a few things about stewardship because it's not just about a cool tagline, right? And it's not just about picking up trash (laughs) that we see lying around. It's about the posture of our hearts towards other people and towards the world and towards God. So today we're gonna look at the what and the why, and the how of stewardship, okay? So first of all, we're going to talk about the what. So we know that stewardship is about leaving things better than we found them, right? But what does that really mean, and what does Jesus have to say about it? Let's look at that today. And first, we're going to look at the dictionary definition of stewardship, because that's an important piece of this puzzle. Okay. So the different dictionary definition of stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So this is an important piece, because while we lean into this core value of stewardship and we choose to leave everything around it, there's a specific piece about stewardship that is about leaving things better that are entrusted to us, that are entrusted to our care. So let's look at a story that Jesus told to illustrate this. It's the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. We're going to read it from the NLT. Stick with me now. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. Now, there are things I love about this parable, and then there are things that leave me feeling a little uneasy, right? And I think that's a common thing to feel about a lot of Jesus teaching, right? Like we're drawn to the truth of Jesus teaching, even though we're also unsettled by the scandal or by the tough love way it comes across, right? But let's think about the heart of what this parable is saying. Let's think about the heart of what Jesus is teaching here okay Jesus is encouraging those who have been gifted by God with talents and abilities and resources whatever kind they are to wisely invest those things into the kingdom right to not bury those things to not hide them or hoard them but to release them into the work of the kingdom right and in this way by wisely stewarding the resources that we're given we leave things better right and not to mention by wisely stewarding the resources that we are entrusted with, then we are entrusted with more, with more, right? So we're coming closer now to the what of stewardship. We know it's leaving things better, all right? So we're going to leave things better, leave things better and people better. And it's going to be things that are entrusted to us. The things that the master has given us. Things like bodies, our bodies, our resources, our gifts and talents and abilities, our church, our city, our families, especially our children, right? The least and the last and the lost. Those are some of the things that we as the body of Christ are entrusted with, right? But there's another really important piece to this what part of the puzzle, okay? Because leaving something better is a little vague, right? Well, what is, who decides what better is? Who decides what better is? Well, here's what I would encourage us to use as our gauge. When we start looking to see if we're leaving something or someone better than we found it, I think that we need to look as our gauge Leaving something better means of movement towards Shalom a movement towards Shalom Shalom wholeness peace restoration in the eyes of the one true narrative of redemption in, and in the eyes of the kingdom of God a movement towards reconciliation and justice and wholeness and peace a movement towards the alignment of the way things were meant to be and the way things will one day be again. That's a movement towards shalom. And that's what we mean when we say leave something better, right? A movement towards shalom. All things restored, all things made new, all things whole. No more tears, no more pain, no more brokenness, but shalom. So let's look at what we're discovering then. The what of stewardship? Leaving things and people better that God has entrusted to our care by participating in their movement towards shalom, by participating in their movement towards reconciliation and wholeness, right? Does that make sense? So when we sweep those beaches clean in Michigan at Circle A, it wasn't just about leaving it better because people would look at the beach and be like, oh, this is nice and there's no trash on it. It was about restoring a bit of the order of nature, A bit of the way things were created to be before we came here and messed a lot of it up, right? Or kids, when your parents ask you to clean your room, to leave it better, it's not just about cleaning up your stuff, right? It's about honoring that relationship with your parents, right? It's about taking care of the things that you are entrusted with so that you will be entrusted with more. And that's a movement towards shalom. Or when we leave our warehouse at the end of our gatherings and we clean up the bathrooms and we straighten up the chairs and we sweep the floors, it's not just about leaving it nicer because that's what we do. It's also about respecting the relationships that we have with the other churches who share our space, right, about participating in that kingdom work together. And that is a movement towards shalom. When we find ourselves coming across someone who is lacking or hurting, It's not just about helping them because we're supposed to show them love, right? It's about participating in the work of kingdom economy, where what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine, and together we move towards shalom. Compassion is only the beginning, and shalom is the end game, right? That's what we mean by leaving people and places better than we found them, a movement towards shalom. All right. So let's talk about the why for a minute. And the why might seem obvious, but let's take a moment to pause and think about it. Because the, the why is pretty simple, right? The why, first of all, is that it all belongs to God, right? It belongs to God, so we are only stewards. We are only ever stewards, right? It all belongs to God, but we are his hands and feet. We are his hands and feet here on the earth. We are agents of shalom. We are the movement of shalom here on this earth. And that is why this core value is so important. Because if that's the direction that the world is moving, that's the direction of the one true narrative of redemption, and we are the agents of shalom here on earth, then that is the why we choose to leave things and people better than we found them And for him, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together, right? It all belongs to him, right? Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself reconciled everything to himself, the movement towards shalom. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. You are reconciled holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. So you, you church, are in the world. That is why stewardship. It is his, it is all his, and he is reconciling all things to himself. We always quote this verse from Matthew when we're talking about stewardship, and I'm going to quote it from the message. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And if I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. We cannot bury our talents and our gifts in the ground, and we can't hide our light under a bucket because we are the agents of shalom. And we are here to proclaim freedom for the captives and peace for the oppressed, peace for all people. Shalom. We're here to cry it out. Again, and again, and again, in every season. And we are in one right now where peace must be spoken. Love must be spoken. And it is up to us. And that's the why of stewardship. But we have to talk about the how. We have to talk about the how. It's really important, right? I'm going to urge you guys to lean in and listen to what I'm going to say today because these are deeply important truths that we have learned and discovered as we have leaned into stewardship as a core value here at Element and far beyond, right? So four things about the how of stewardship. Number one, stewardship requires humility. Stewardship requires humility. Sometimes, church, I think we can get a little prideful in our stewardship. And we can start to think that we've done a really good job helping this person or that ministry or this place get better because of our contribution, right? And we start to think that it's about making something better by using the force of our power and the metric of our own judgment when we decide It's something going to make better, right? And that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to be. And I think we get off track with leaving something better in a prideful way when we forget what the metric really is. When we forget the metric is only and ever a movement towards wholeness, a movement towards shalom, right? Better doesn't mean what we want it to mean. Better means wholeness. Better means peace. Shalom. And if we start to think better is about our own definitions, we've lost the humility that it takes to be a steward of the things that are entrusted to our care, right? Think of our house church leaders for a minute. Imagine the humility that it takes to welcome people into your home, to serve them and to honor them and to care for them, and steward their hearts and their stories, right, and their lives. And we all participate. As house church participants, we all participate in this kind of humility because when we hear people's stories, some of us want to fix, don't we? I know I've caught myself in that place before. Sometimes we hear a story of someone and we want to fix it. We want to make it better. Of course we do. We want to either be the answer for that person's problems, or we want to help them see what the answer is, or we want to help them see that they are their own problem sometimes, right? And we start getting a little bit prideful in our assessment of what it will take for that person's story to become better, right? But what have we actually learned leaves them better in a house church setting, really in any setting? It's not judgment, and it's not fixing, and it's not advice, right? What do we do in house church? We witness. We join. We affirm. We empathize. And that, those things spoken humbly in love, that's what leads someone towards shalom. That's what leads someone towards the truth of Jesus and towards wholeness in their lives, right? But it requires humility. It requires humility. Number two. Number two, stewardship requires an allowance for change an allowance for change. This is a tough one, pretty tough one, because sometimes I have a responsibility to steward the growth of my daughters, right? And I love every day of being their mom, every single day, more than the last. But there are many days that I miss the baby years or I miss the toddler years, and soon even the elementary years will be behind me, right? And there have been times when my daughters have seemed pretty perfect just as they are. I wish I could just push a pause button and keep them that way forever, right? How could they get any better? That's a closed-handed love, and that really isn't better, is it? Because remember, what better is, it's a movement towards wholeness. It's a movement towards shalom. And if I were to push a pause button at the cute phase of their life, they wouldn't become all they were created to be, right? Think about the parable of the talents, right? In order for those resources that the master gave the servants, in order for them to be multiplied, they had to change. They had to change into something else. Those resources, those bags of money had to be invested and other resources purchased so that they could increase, so that they could grow. They had to change, right? The bag that stayed in the ground, unchanging and unmoving was not blessed. It was not blessed, right? So stewardship requires an allowance for change. It requires it. And sometimes that's really hard. It's really hard. It's maybe less hard with our kids or even with our money. But there are things and places in our lives where we would just really love to keep just as they are. But that might not be the direction of Shalom. In fact, it's not. Because change is inevitable, right? Change is always happening. Nothing that's alive in life stops changing. It's either growing or shrinking, right? So change is inevitable, but growth is optional. So maybe instead of an allowance for change, it's an allowance for growth. An allowance with the movement, the movement towards shalom and wholeness. So we have to hold space for that change. And if we're really participating in stewardship, then we're going to also participate in that change. Because that's what it takes to move towards shalom. Now number three. Number three, it requires risk and courage. Now, I put them together, even though I suppose they could be two different things. But I think they go together, risk and courage, when it comes to stewardship. It does, guys. Think back again to the parable of the talents, Okay, Those servants took a great degree of risk to invest that money that the master gave them. What if they had lost it? Like, that could have been really bad for them, right? It took a lot of courage and a lot of risk to do the work to invest the money for the master. And I can imagine that the servant who buried his bag in the ground thought he was doing a good thing. He thought he was keeping it safe. And he probably mocked those who decided to invest it, right? But those servants who took the risk and who chose courage, master, they knew his heart. They knew that's what he was asking them to do. And they chose to take the risk because they were stewards who had felt the call to leave something better than they had found it, right? Think about the families in our church who welcome foster kids into their home. Think about the immense degree of courage and risk that it takes to do something like that, right? Not only are they risking their family's safety and comfort, they're risking their hearts. They're risking their hearts, right? Because they are pouring out love and compassion on these children who have been left without it. And they're speaking value and worth and shalom over their lives right in the face of the darkness. Risking it all. Choosing such deep courage to know that at any point in time, these children could be taken away and put right back into a dark situation. Or put somewhere where they'll never see them again, right? Imagine that risk. Imagine that courage. But they know the heart of the master. And their investment is not in vain, right? Because they steward those little lives that are entrusted to their care, and they always leave them better by participating in their movement towards wholeness. It requires risk. It requires courage to steward what God has entrusted us with, always, always. Number four, stewardship requires surrender. Oh, yes, we cannot forget that, surrender. This is the hardest one of all, always the open hands, the letting go. Because the statement about stewardship is not that we help things become better than we found them. The statement is that we leave things better than we found them. And we have to come back to this always, the surrender. The surrender, we will leave these things one day because the truth is that these things are not ours. My body is not my own. My children are not my own. My possessions are not my own. My church is not my own, right? We are only ever stewards. We are only ever stewards of the things entrusted to us. And one day we will leave it all behind. Let's look at what Paul says about it in 1 Timothy those who are rich in this world to not be proud and to not trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may experience true life. Now, catch this part. In the parable of the talents, those servants were rewarded. They were rewarded by the master. But they weren't rewarded with the profits of their endeavors, right? The master didn't say, oh, look, I gave you five bags, and now you have 10, so keep the other five and go live a happy life. No, that's not what the master said, right? The master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and now I will give you more responsibilities, right? So what did he have to do with that prophet? He had to give it back to the master because he was only the steward. It was never his in the first place. But then the master says, let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate together these responsibilities that I'm entrusting you with are for the purpose of my kingdom for the purpose of Shalom so come and laugh with me and love with me and let's work together to breathe joy and hope and grace and peace into the world let's celebrate together there is reward in stewardship but it is not in possessing the things that we steward that is not the reward right And in order to really experience the rewards, we have to surrender those things. We have to always approach our stewardship with a posture of surrender. Here, Master, it's all yours, and it always was. And it's easy to say, (laughs) but it's hard to do. Because when we participate in the work of Shalom, when we invest our lives and our love into helping something be better, then our human selves, one, kind of want the credit, and two, want the possession of that good and beautiful thing, right? But stewardship requires surrender. Those foster kids going back to their families or or their forever homes, we have to surrender them. And our beloved friends who were once part of our element community, who've moved on to other places in the world, we have to surrender them. And our church itself, that might one day outlast any of us who were part of its beginnings, we have to surrender it, right? Because the movement towards wholeness will always be bigger than us and bigger than our stories. It's the one story It's the whole story, right? The beauty is in the surrender. The reward of stewardship is in the surrender because the master says, come and celebrate with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. We're not loving people or places so that we can possess them. We love them and we leave them better. Because in the finished work of Shalom, there is no possession, there is no credit, there's only wholeness. So I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to sing a very beautiful song of surrender, but let's remember the what of stewardship. Leaving the people and things that God has entrusted to our care better by participating in their movement towards wholeness. The why. It all belongs to God, but we are His hands and feet. We are the agents of shalom. And the how. Humility, change, risk, and-, and surrender. Surrender. So let's pray. God, thank you this morning for this reminder of stewardship, for this reminder of what it really means to leave each other better. For the reminder that we are not the judge of what better is, but that your spirit in us will guide us towards the truth of wholeness and peace. So God, today remind us of how important it is. Remind us that we are the agents of shalom in this world, and that you have called us to be your hands and feet. And God, will you give us the humility to remember that it's not about our definition of better, but it's about yours. And will you give us the space in our hearts and in our minds to allow change in whatever form it comes as we move towards peace? And God, will you give us courage? Will you help us take risks in this work of stewardship, in this work of shalom? And God, will you help us to surrender it? Will you help us to trust you? Will you help us to remember that it was never ours? And then will you join us in the celebration of our surrender and guide us towards more ways that we can be your hands and feet? God, we take this seriously because this is the call that you have placed on your whole body here on earth, and it's the core value that you've given to us at Element. So God, teach us what it means. Lead us where you would have us go. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.